welcome to day six of National Podcast Post Month here on the Spotlight. I am Ben Beck, your host of the program, and this one's going to be a lot of fun. This is the first of my stacked episodes, as I'm calling them, meaning I have taken a couple different past conversations and I've stacked them because they all have something in common. And it's it's a Friday. It's Friday, November 6th. I saved this one on a Friday to take you into the weekend. And that's pretty much how I'm going to do it. I have a couple stacked ones coming this month throughout the 30 days of November, and I'm saving most of them for Fridays. So this one is a blast. If you've ever been familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000 and you're not aware, uh, Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, Bill Corbett, three guys behind Rift Tracks. This is the continuation of Mystery Science Theater, except with some more modern movies, which is really cool. I've had the opportunity to have all three of them on the podcast over the past couple seasons. And that's basically what you're going to hear. This one's going to run a little over an hour because, again, it's three different interviews. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to take you right into it and let you listen. Enjoy this one with Kevin Murphy, Mike Nelson, and Bill Corbett of Riff Tracks. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another guest spotlight right here on Next Level Radio. I am Ben Beck, joined by my co-host, Adam Gorey. And to say we are excited to speak with our guest tonight would be a major, major understatement. So going back to about 1995, 1996, I remember sitting on my couch, flipping through the channels one night, and I came across this really horrible movie called Alien from L.A. starring Kathy Ireland. Except something was different about it this time. Uh, there was some added commentary, and that added commentary was coming from three silhouettes at the bottom of the screen. Uh, and the commentary that was coming from these three silhouettes were hysterical. Thus, my love for Mystery Science Theater 3000, the television show, was born. And now, even though the show is no longer on the air, the humor is still going strong with Rift Tracks, which was created by some of the creators of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And tonight, we are joined by one of the creators and one of the current members of Rift Tracks. Again, allow me to hold back my excitement just a little bit. As we welcome to the show Mr. Kevin Murphy. Kevin, how are you this evening? Ben, Adam, I am swell, and thank you for having me on your show. It is an absolute pleasure. Um, as I said, you probably are able to guess I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, I, came across, I came across Mystery Science Theater purely by accident, but I became an instant fan, and I've been a fan ever since. Uh, I've, you and know, the first episode you saw was Alien from L.A., and you still stuck with the show. <laughs> yes, wow. it was Alien from L.A., and I stuck with it. Uh, that was a bad one. It was, but you know what? I think that's what makes it so great is the fact that it was mm-hmm. bad, but it just mm-hmm. sometimes the the bad the better. It's, yeah. it's true. So uh, I've been a fan for years, and it's one of those things that, as weird as it may seem, uh, and it's so different. Um, the, the show itself was so different that, at least in my case, it's one of those things you always remember your first. Ah, uh, sure. And you know, and mystery and Alien from LA was my first, so I, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think I can safely say that there was nothing like it on television at the time. Um, I mean, I remember you know, one of the inspirations for the show in the first place um, with Joel was uh, <clears throat> we all grew up with these things, these hosted movies, you know, Creature Features or Elvira. Um, in Chicago, we had this guy named Sven Gulli who'd come out. And they wouldn't take any of this stuff seriously. And, uh, and they would host the show. And then so Joel just sort of said, well, why don't we just bring that one step further 
and bring the movie host into the theater to watch the movie with you. And that's simply what it was born out of. And what it generated into was something that everybody does anyway, which is talking back to your TV set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know personally when I'm watching movies, sometimes, you know, I try not to, to talk too much during movies, but sometimes there's a little snippy comments you make. i nowhere near able to make as many as you guys do, and at least funny ones. Mine are probably <laughs> terribly stupid. Um, I, no, no, I, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, um, I'm only 27, so I remember when I was younger watching Mystery Science Theater with my dad. Um, you know, and that's always a, a memory I'll have. Uh, how does it feel, you know, knowing that you're a part of people's memories and, and essentially, you know, kind of part of their family in a way? You know, it's really cool. It's it's uh, sort of humbling. It's 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 freaky and wonderful, because I grew up with I call them pajama shows. You know, you'd come down the uh, stairs on Saturday morning before your uh, dad would make you go out and mow the lawn, and you'd sit in your pajamas and watch these dumb shows, or you'd stay up late and watch and do the same thing. But right. they're pajama shows. They're just things that you'd you know you'd goof off to, and you'd remember them, and they'd have this lasting impression on your childhood, probably more than just about any other programming. So <clears throat> that's what. That's what mystery science theater is for a lot of people, and that's that's really kind of cool. And and Adam, to hear you say that you uh, started watching with your dad or with your parents is is so great. We I, I keep on meeting people when we go to events and conventions, and uh, and we do these live shows who are saying, "Yeah, I started watching it with my father." And now the freaky thing is, I'm starting to hear, "Yeah, I started watching it with my grandpa." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I even uh, actually spoke to my dad earlier today, and he said that, I, at least where he's at, he still gets a few episodes of Mystery Science Theater on TV once in a while and still watches Great. it when it's on. Our cable doesn't get it, unfortunately. I wish, I really wish it did, but... Uh, well, um, yeah, it's still on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even realize that. Okay, well, now, getting into the current uh, iteration with Rift Tracks that was created yeah. back in 2006, and... Obviously, has been going strong with the help of yourself, along with Mike Nelson and Bill Corbett. Uh, the only difference now is that you're um, mainly riffing more modern films, you know, such as Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Marvel catalog, uh, Twilight, Day After Tomorrow, as well as many others. Um, <laughs> you know, for, and for me personally, uh, with Mystery Science Theater, and you guys kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, I probably would not have watched many of those movies if you guys weren't commenting on them. You know, some oh. of them were just so bad. Um, yes. And with the newer stuff, you know, that I've already seen and loved, a lot of the movies that you guys have been riff, or riffing, um, is it any harder for you personally riffing a movie that you enjoy or maybe a blockbuster film like The Avengers compared to some, you know, some of the really bad movies that are out there? Well, here, here, I'll make you a distinction. The, the, the blockbusters, it depends on the blockbuster because a Michael Bay film, um, it's like pulling hairs out of your nose with a tweezers. <laughs> That's how much those things hurt because the guy, he can't edit. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, he can't, he can barely shoot. He can't edit. You know, it looks like, um, all the pieces were thrown into the air and then he sort of gathered them up and printed them. Um, and so those are really hard because, um, with the old films we did, and, and by the way, Rift Tracks, if you look at our site, we actually have a lot of the MST-style cheesy old films now because people love them so much. We have those and we have shorts. But then we have these MP3s that you download with a movie, and that's how we get away with that. Um, but um, the, the newer the film, the more they try to jam into 
the the scene. You know, there'll be well, there used to be like four or five edits in a, a typically cheesy '80s science fiction film. There'll be like 75 edits in a current um, science fiction film or action film. Um, yeah. The films have gotten more frenetic, more frantic, and I think it has to do with the extremely limited attention span that people have these days where they used to not have that. You know, people would sit down and read Moby Dick. Now they read tweets. So yeah. there's a big difference there. Yeah. So that's been a challenge. Um, but then we get these beautiful gems like Twilight, <laughs> which is like, oh, it's like sweet heroin for us. It really is. Yeah. It just, it just it, there's, there's nothing. It's like the perfect, perfect sort of film for us. Yeah, it's hard uh, not to riff it. <laughs> right, right. And the films we got lined up um, right now for our live shows, um, Sharknado, then um, uh, Godzilla in August, and then hopefully Hope- Anaconda, Anaconda in October. October. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla's going to be the most challenging of all because it, it has that sort of frenetic editing to it. But we did a great job of Starship Troopers, so I think we'll have fun with that. Yeah, Sh- uh, I can't so, wait for Sharknado. <laughs> thanks. It's it's really helpful because I don't like any of these films, except <laughs> except for Anaconda. I have this fondness for it because it's it's a classic old bad film. Right. Um, so in that way, yeah, I do have a fondness for it, but it's still fun to you know take its pants down and laugh at it. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, Sharknado is just you know it's it's wonderful. It's funny because I, I read all the stuff in the in the press about this being an intentionally bad film or an ironically bad film. And I don't know if that's true. I mean, the bottom line is, if you set out to make a bad film and you succeed, you still simply made a bad film. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it, it, it's you know. sci-fi. It's from sci-fi too, and a lot of their stuff has that. Kind yes. Of yeah. And I read, I read some it was with a direct um, who talked about his um, uh, evolution into making these films. And he sounds clueless. And, and when you watch the film, <laughs> oh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, he, he has that. It, it's actually, I think it's an old Ed Wood editing style where if you have to show some action, what you do is you cut away from the action like five or six times. And then you pretend that the action just happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. that's what Sharknado is all about. You never really see much going on except for those few glory shots where they had the money to actually, you know, show the sharks eating people. Um, and the rest of it is just like confuser vision. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. Sharknado is one of those movies that it was, it's on my list. To, it, well, it was on my list to watch just because I had heard how bad it was and I wanted to see it. Just, I wanted to yeah. see for myself. But once I heard that you guys were doing the riffing of it in July, yeah. I purposely yeah. waited. I, I did not want to oh, see it. Oh, bless your heart. Because Good I wanted to <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do. We, we provide a service, a service for people. We keep Hollywood safe for this crowd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, it, you guys started the uh, talking about the live, uh, you know, the Rift Tracks live. You guys started them back in 2009, and I'm proud to say yeah. I have seen all of them. Um, wow! You know, you started with Plan Nine from Outer Space in August of 2009. Right. Um, yeah. You've done House on Haunted Hill, Reef uh, yep. Madness, Manos, yep. The Hands of Fate was fantastic. Thank you. Um, Night of the I Living. I hate that film. I really, really, <laughs> really hate that film. But, wow. But what you guys do to it makes people love it, and I think that's the best part. Uh, it is. It's like, it's, you know, we use humor for the avoidance of pain. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And Sharknado is, is a painful film, so uh, it is our job to make the film much less painful. I was going to say, some of the movies are hard to watch. Without oh, you guys yeah. there, at least, they would be hard to, hard to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, does the way you prepare for a riff uh, 
differ like if you were doing it for the studio for the MP3 compared to when you do it for live? Yeah, it does. Um, when people are in small groups or um, by themselves in front of the TV, um, the jokes can be a lot more rapid fire because um, you can you can hook into it and you can you can um, follow it a lot easier. But when you get to a live audience, um, we spread it out a little bit more because we want people to have the opportunity to laugh at something and not. I've heard it before when we first started doing this. We had too many jokes sometimes, and you'd hear people, they'd start to laugh, and then they'd stop themselves so they could hear what we were going to say yeah. next. Okay. Um, and the films don't always cooperate with us. You know, I'd say that the perfect film for us acts like Margaret Dumont does to the Marx Brothers. You know, sets up the joke, and then we deliver the punchline, and then there's a laugh, and then there's the next one. But, but films, the films don't behave that way for us often, except... For Twilight, yeah. which was perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I know in the case of Night of the Living Dead, uh, you, you know, trying to do too many jokes at one time so people have to stop laughing. Sometimes that mm-hmm. that doesn't always uh, occur that way. I know just from a personal experience, uh, and my fr- uh, a friend of mine who was with me can definitely attest to this. Door Night of the Living Dead, it was one of the stupidest punchlines that you guys had done, and no <laughs> offense intended. You know, it was just one okay. of the, the most stupidest things. It was, you just had, you had Barbara walking towards the wall, and you're just like, la, la bonk. That line, I, I think, floored me for five minutes straight. Like, I had tears in my eyes. I don't know what it was about that particular line. I and, think I can tell you, I have a theory about this. It's exactly what you were thinking at the time we did it. Most likely, so it's, yeah. It's what you call, in the back of your head somewhere, you had this going on. It's like this Jungian thing. We call them psychic lawn darts. We suddenly hit you with something that you were probably thinking of, and then it's immediately recognizable. And you say, yeah, that's, that is exactly the right thing to say at the right time. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it brings the house down. And that was one of those. Yeah, that was yeah, just... And- it had me floored for at least a good three minutes. It's... Yeah, it's sticking to Night of the Living Dead, um, actually, funny enough, I had never seen that before watching the Rift Tracks. <laughs> um, but I, I think what, what makes them, some of them are, are so funny is that you guys are so observant. You know, there was the one scene uh, in the house where he had just said he boarded up all the windows, or all the doors and windows, <laughs> except the window right behind him is completely yes. unboarded, and, and you, exactly. I think yeah. had mentioned that. And it's like, yeah. I didn't even notice that until you say something, and once you see it, it's so funny. It is. It's, it, and it is, um, it's a, a product of us watching the film over and over and over and and sitting with the film like I'm sitting with a chunk of this week I'm sitting with a 15 minute chunk of Sharknado for six days (laughs) watching it over and over and over again (laughs) and so I see everything that's going on in the in the um, uh, screen and in the editing and uh, you know our temptation is to get too minute but something like that was just that's a gimme and that was perfect (laughs) yeah um, yeah Worked uh, out perfectly. Now I know we uh, we had mentioned or you had mentioned Starship Troopers earlier on, uh, which actually came about by means of a Kickstarter project. Right. Uh, yes, it did. It and, was amazing. And uh, it was originally supposed to be the Twilight film, but you guys were unable to secure the rights to that. We here's this is the crazy thing. Uh, uh, thanks to the good um, will of our fans, we raised. We asked for fifty five thousand. We raised two hundred and forty something. Wow. We brought that to um, uh, the studio that um, owns Twilight, and they said no. They didn't want a quarter million dollars of our fans' money 
to uh, license this thing. Yeah. So, you know, what can I say? Starship Troopers was perfect. It, uh, it, uh, it fulfilled the need we had. Someday, I'm hoping, because I think it would be the ultimate experience, I'm going to put on a tuxedo for it. <laughs> Someday I'm hoping that we'll be able to riff Twilight in the theater live nationwide like we've been doing. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I kind of think that Starship Troopers actually turned out a little bit better in the long run, mainly because of the participation of people like Casper Van Dien and Neil Patrick yeah. Harris and Dina. Ma- Wasn't they that were, great? They were yeah. tweeting about it. I think Neil even went to go see it out in L.A., um, yeah, I mean, I, you would have never got that from Kristen Stewart or Robert Pattinson or anybody else that was in Twilight. So. No, they'd be home brooding and sitting in the dark. Yes, so exactly. Do, right. So I think yeah. Starship, Tro- Starship Troopers actually turned out a little bit better for you guys in the long run because they got so much more promotion out of it just from the cast of the movie. It's true. Yeah, we had all kinds of uh, of the um, folks from the movie doing that, uh, including Jake Busey, and I was yeah. so happy to hear it. The funny thing is, he was tweeting like mad before the movie, uh, before the live show began, and then I noticed he was really quiet afterwards, so I got a little scared. <laughs> he, might have just, out, yeah, he might have just been sitting watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing too hard to type in. So, uh, and the other good sport, I'll just say, Adina Meyer, who was, um, she played Dizzy, that's the, the, the love and gets uh, ill by giant bugs. Yeah, um, she did the whole thing, and she was a really good sport, you know, because we were we were relentless with some of these folks, particularly um, uh, her and Jake. You know, due to his teeth, we made a lot of fun of his teeth. Yeah, and, <laughs> yes. and the other guy who turned out to be a, a good sport is Clancy Brown, who was you know he's a great character actor. You've seen him in a lot of things. He was in Highlander, and then you see that face in in. Uh, um, Starship Troopers and say, oh yeah, he's in this and he's in that and he's in the other thing. And he was a great sport about it. He seems to be just a terrific guy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I know I was actually on vacation during that uh, when that one came about and uh, my friend who I was on vacation with, we actually ended up driving about 35 minutes away from where we were just to find a theater wow. to go see it. You so. get a medal, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean I, I love going to them. They're they're just so much fun. And Thank you. Um you know, and they're, they're a full-on experience. I mean, it's not just when you go in, you don't just go in and you see the movie. You guys, you have music by the Riftones playing before the, <laughs> before the movie. The screens that you have up, on, like the pre-movie screens that you have up with the absolutely absurd movie trivia and quotes yeah. are hysterical. Yeah. They get the audience laughing before the show yep. even starts. Thanks, yeah. It's a perfect warm-up. Um, that's our writers, Kanna Lestalka and, um, and Sean Thomason. Um, are the, they're the younger ones of us, uh, the people who get what the hell's going on in the world right now. Um, and they write those pre-show slides, and people have started showing up early so that they can see the pre-show. Oh, I'm one and of them. And that's great, because it's the ultimate warm-up act. It's yeah. the best warm-up act we could possibly have, because it, it hails back to when I was a kid and going to the movies, where you'd have these trivia slides that would just roll by with some innocuous music. And uh, and so it's it's sort of the same thing, except we have spun it around and turned it on its head and made it goofy. Yeah, I, w- I will actually take pictures of them with my phone just so I can go back and read them <laughs> later. Uh, oh, I love you. So, I love you. Um, but I know we mentioned in July you guys have Sharknado coming out uh, on July 15th, and then you're going to do a second – July, July, July 10th, and then you're going to do a second showing on the 15th. That's right, uh, yep. Usually you're at but the – The live one is yeah. – yeah. Yeah, usually you're at the Belcourt Theater, but this time you're actually in Minneapolis. Well, it's funny. Um, Mike Nelson, after many years in San Diego, where uh, the Rift Tracks um, Tech HQ still is, 
um, moved back to Minnesota. He's originally from the Midwest, and, and his wife Bridget is also uh, from the. She's actually from Minnesota, and uh, and he moved back. I think he'd been. He's got sort of fed up with the Southern California um, weirdness, and moved back here. And of course, he moved back during the worst winter in Minnesota's <laughs> history. And he said it was like three quarters. It was in it was in April, and it was still you know like fifteen degrees and we had freezing rain and sleet and snow and he said what the hell did i do <laughs> um but he's here and that's why we're doing it here is because the three of us are back here in town and this is where we started and we actually um uh back in the mystery science theater days we did two um live shows one was to a that we did um, and we did it at the State Theater where we're going to be doing it this time, and it's a beautiful theater. It's a, actually a terrific place to see a movie. Um, so it's, it is sort of like a homecoming for us, we think, after all this time, because, boy, that was almost 20 years ago that we did that live show at the State Theater. So yeah. um, wow. it's really going to be fun to be in front of a hometown crowd and, uh, and do this. It's going to be great. Well, one of these days, I will get to where you guys are doing it live, no matter where it is, and I will see one live in well, person. You are welcome. You are welcome. Philadelphia would be great. Would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. No, so you guys are in uh, Pennsylvania? Or in, in Philly? Yeah, yeah Philadelphia, Philadelphia area. Cool, cool. So, uh, now, I know uh, one last – I know we're getting ready to wrap things up, but before um, we do that, we can't go without mentioning the Kickstarter project that you have going on right now. Um, oh, thank you. You've already raised the money to do Godzilla in August, yes. the 1998 yes. version of Godzilla with Matthew Broderick, which I cannot yes. wait. But you, <laughs> you, you've since extended that as into a stretch auction, as you're calling it, that if you can get to $250,000, right. $250, you're going to be able to do Anaconda in October. That's right. Yes, we are. Yeah. And I, 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 Anaconda is just it's so near and dear to my heart. Um, I can't tell you. And I think it's just <laughs> I, I, I think about it. I mean, it's got John Boyd. J-Lo, yeah. Ice Cube, yeah. Owen Wilson. <laughs> I forgot Eric Owen Wilson Stoltz. was in that. Eric Stoltz, you know who was there with John Travolta plunging the needle into his girlfriend's, into uh, Uma Thurman's uh, chest yeah, in Pulp, um, Pulp, Fiction. Pulp Fiction. And um, and Danny Trejo. You know, you, you can't beat it. It's it's it's, a, it's an all-star cast. That yeah. is an all-star cast. That's yeah. And I think last I checked, you guys were up to, I think, about 175000 yeah, just about 175,000 right now. So we're crossing our fingers, and we're hoping we really want to make this work. And uh, and so we'll be uh, we'll be bugging people as much as possible. Anybody who hasn't done it, but you know, I'm I'm thinking that we have a great lineup between now and uh, that show is going to be on October 30th, and it's this will help us have just a really kick-ass year of these live shows. And it's it's pretty amazing and humbling that this has happened so far because we're now getting movies that we only dreamed when we first started doing the live shows back in uh, when we did plan nine, you know, like six years ago now. Yeah. Um, just about, um, we never dreamed that we'd be able to get films like this. And it's, it's through Kickstarter, which is such an amazing, uh, thing. Uh, it's, Truly, just through Kickstarter, we've been able to do this and the goodwill of our fans. Yeah, I mean, considering how fast you guys were able to raise the 100000 for Godzilla, I, 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 I got a good feeling you guys would be able to do Anaconda in October. Well, thank you. I'm going to keep uh, whoring myself out in order to make this happen. <laughs> well, you yeah. already, you already and, did get some of my money, so I've already... Oh, God bless. So. And, and, and the Godzilla timing is perfect because with the new movie that just came out, it reminded everybody how pretty terrible the 98 version was. <laughs> You know there is a, a you know a more recent than the Godzilla, 
the uh, Matthew Broderick era Godzilla in in the film. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful uh, thing. Yeah. Um, well, I know we get, we're getting ready to we're getting to the end of our time, but uh, just before we end our interviews, what we like to do is we do what we call our rapid fire questions. Uh, okay. They're just a couple questions that we're just going to throw your way. They're pretty easy questions. You don't have to. A lot of people tend to get nervous about them for some reason. Nope. So I'm I'm totally stream of consciousness. It might get loud and dirty. I'm just going to warn. Hey, we're fine with that. <laughs> That's okay. okay. Uh, first one is what's been your favorite movie to riff, either Riff Tracks or Mystery Science Theater? Oh wow, uh, Twilight. Nice. <laughs> uh, what movie haven't you riffed yet that would be your dream movie to riff? Oh wow! It's that we've we've gotten to do so many. I want to do uh, on a live show. Um, uh, ben Affleck as Daredevil. Oh, that oh, would be fantastic. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and last one, you you've obviously worked with a number of celebrities. What celebrity would you like to riff a movie with? Oh, any one of them who's been with us so far. Um, but Paul F. Tompkins is probably my number one. Paul F. Okay. Tom- Paul F. Tompkins is fantastic. Um, I know he, he joined is. you guys with uh, was it Manos, the live show, or um, was it? He, he snuck on during House on Haunted Hill. That, I think it was. Yeah, I, I know it was one of them. I couldn't remember. They all tend yeah, to blend yeah. together now. So, yeah. I mean, the, we've done these. We've done these. Um, uh, occasionally done these shows uh, during um, the San Francisco Sketch Fest um, at the Castro Theater, and we've we've done it with um, with Paul F. with John Hodgman. Um, with Kristen Schaal, who was just fantastic. Yeah. She was great. Andy Richter, David Cross, um, Bob Odenkirk. Um, we've just been able to, you know, avail ourselves to these incredible, like, heroes, comic heroes of ours. And that's been really fun. So, and, and Weird Al, who is, yeah. which is really incredible. And I think you've yeah. got, you guys have even done a studio MP3 one with NPH before. I think Neil Patrick Harris has done one with you. Did uh, Willie and Al did Jurassic Park with Mike? That's a pretty yeah. wonderful thing. Yeah. So yeah. going back to Paul F. Tompkins, he's local to Philly, the Philly guy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I'll always love to hear that. <laughs> the bastard has moved out to L.A., but you know what can you do? What well, a sellout! Yeah. No, I know. I know. No, so I, I love him I, dearly. So, well, we definitely want to send people to the Kickstarter page. Uh, they can find all the information on your Kickstarter page on your page, which is www.rifftracks.com. Tracks, T-R-A-X. Um, they can follow you on Twitter at Rifftracks, or they can follow you personally, K.W. Murphy, on Twitter. Um, Sharknado is going to be July 10th with a second show. The live show, July 10th, with a second show in July 15th. And yep. Godzilla is going to be one night only, August 15th. That's right. So, uh, I already have my – and uh, you said Anaconda, if you reach the uh, the goal, which I believe you will, will be October 30th? That's correct. Okay. I know I already have my tickets to, to Sharknado. I'm just waiting for tickets to go on sale for uh, for Godzilla. So, I Thank you, sir. <laughs> I'm a fan. I've been a fan, and I will probably almost always be a fan. So, Well, I appreciate it. We will try our best to keep your fandom. <laughs> Well, Kevin, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. This was definitely uh, I don't use the word lightly, but this was this was kind of an honor for me. Oh, cool. Well, it was my pleasure and thanks for having me on. Uh, to everybody listening, we thank you for joining us this evening. Be sure to check us out www.nextlevelradioonline.com. Follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. Uh, you can hear a recap of the interview on our on our live show every Sunday night, six o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And until then, we will see you around the bend. Take care. 
All right, everybody. Welcome back to the showcast. So last year we had an opportunity to speak with Kevin Murphy over at Rift Tracks, uh, RiftTracks.com about a Kickstarter they launched to raise some funds. They were trying to get the rights to, uh, to riff the film Starship Troopers. And they were so successful actually that they were actually able to riff Anaconda at the same time. One year later, another successful Kickstarter campaign later, the guys at Rift Tracks have four more live events scheduled for 2015. The second of which, uh, is coming up in a few weeks, that being Sharknado 2. On, uh, it's going to happen on July 9th. And this time around, we're joined by yet another crazy member of the Rift Tracks gang. Please welcome Mr. Michael J. Nelson. Michael, thanks for joining us. Hey, it is my pleasure. Great to be here. Um, I have to say before we get started, uh, before we go into anything else, uh, I was one, many of the people, I was one of the many who campaigned for it uh, for the longest time to make it happen. Great job on At Midnight a couple last oh, week. Thanks. Yeah, great bunch of people and uh, and uh, very fun to do. Yeah, you, Kevin, and Bill were were just fantastic. I I had been tweeting Chris Hardwick and at midnight for a while, as I know many other people were as well. So I was happy to finally see it happen. No, it was cool. Thanks for doing it. It really was a blast. Um, normally, we don't you know crawl out of our little writing troll caves <laughs> where we where we cook up our stuff. So the get out and see actual professional TV again. Yeah. Really fun to do. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've been to uh, every Rift Tracks Live you guys have done. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I own about 30 of the MP3s. I own quite a few of the DVDs. Uh, they've all been fun, hysterical shows, but the last one you did, The Room, uh, which is the first one of your four-part that you're calling The Crappening this year, which I love. Yeah. Um, that one to me was five, by far probably the funniest damn one I have ever been to out of all the ones that you guys have done. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys put a ton of work into everything you do from, from writing to produ- to the production and everything else. And I, I know you're always trying to make things better than the last one. But do you ever feel sometimes, especially after one like that, that sometimes you may have set the bar too high? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, thank you for your patronage and uh, and thank you for the kind words. Um, you know, sometimes the movie is just such a, a gift to you. <laughs> we we often we're sort of in a lot of cases um, you're stepping in front of a parade, you know, where there's already something cool going on, and we just get to be a part of it. And, yeah. Uh, and, and the room is you know its own phenomenon. Um, and and you're right, it it is a lot of hard work. Uh, but there are moments in that movie where you just kind of you step back and you're almost integrated <laughs> in a way. Yeah, so we won't always be gifted with such uh, such wonderful material. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, I was just going to say there were moments in that movie that just kind of they kind of riffed themselves. You guys didn't, like you said, you just kind of took a step back and just let the scene happen, and it was more than enough. Yeah, and it's an interesting phenomenon. We're kind of you're, you're nervous as a as a comedian and, and writer where you want to make sure that people are, are laughing all the time that's your instinct and uh when something's just funny on the screen you sometimes feel like well they're laughing but i didn't do that and then you realize well, <laughs> calm down people are having a great time <laughs> you know? so uh, it's just a thing of, of just realizing that we're all here enjoying this together and it's uh, you know just have fun and relax yeah yeah, and, and the room, uh, not the greatest movie ever made, as you can tell. Um, yeah, and, and like you kind of alluded to, I'm sure it's a little bit easier to riff bad movies. What What's the trick though to riffing like really good ones or ones that 
that you personally just like to watch and enjoy without having to riff on them? Like, what's the trick to making good, you know, riffs to those? Well, you have to find a different way in. I mean, people are only going to laugh at things that are that ring true. And if you're watching a good movie and you're making a joke about, oh, this is terrible, you know, it's not going to, people are going to go, what are you talking about? So it's just, uh, you know, it's sort of creating a different way in, whether that's talking about something else or, you know, there are somewhat ridiculous elements to the whole process of all films. There's, you know, people compress time and they, uh, you know, and they, they, they make you suspend your disbelief. And sometimes it's fun to just point those things out, which are not mistakes, obviously. Those are built in. But it's just sort of fun to, to just kind of play with familiar things that you actually like in a, in a different way. Yeah. Um, you said that, you know, you guys said that you, you're often, you're quite often in the writer's room and you're working on, you know, the next Rift, whether it be the Rift Tracks Live or, you know, any of the ones that you're putting up on, on the website, rifttracks.com. When you're doing a live show, how soon before the date of the live show do you actually start your preparation for that particular show? Uh, we used to do it uh, closer to the date um, just for schedule. Now we've just gotten smarter about scheduling it farther out just, uh, just to make sure we're on the right track with the script. So we'll just do a draft of it pretty far out and then we'll just kind of live with it for a while and, and see how it feels and slowly revise it. And then it gets more intense as we get towards the, the actual show date, where then we're really, you know, locking ourselves in a room and, and just going through it joke by joke. So, uh, but uh, rather than get, make it super intense, we, we try to take a pass at it uh, at least a month before. Yeah. I, I, would, I would probably assume it's safe to say you're not working on your next one until you're, you're through the first one. You're, 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 so, I mean, for example, you're not working on Miami Connection just yet. Uh, you're focusing more on Sharknado 2? Yeah, we're focused on that now. Uh, I'm trying to think if we ever have crossed over. It's been close before, yeah, where we'll... Or we'll have to... Uh, we have to write lines for the trailer, so we'll sort of visit the movie long in advance of it and, yeah. uh, and pull out some moments. And, uh, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty familiar with all of them, you know, well in advance. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, the whole... The whole thing, you guys are making comments through movies, which isn't something that people usually enjoy if you're, say, in a movie theater, per se. Um, but, you know, getting going into a Rift Tracks live event, obviously people know what they're getting self, themselves into. But I know personally, I always got yelled at when I was little for making comments during movies, uh, yelled at by the people around me, I should say. Um, and even sometimes as an adult, I get yelled at from my wife when I do it. But were, were you always the same way? kind of growing up and that's that's kind of how you know obviously the stuff you probably said during movies was a lot funnier than the stuff i said during movies but you know were you kind of the same way growing up probably just about 10 times more than i was though oh i, I wouldn't assume that uh mine were any better than yours trust me on that <laughs> but but yeah i mean i i grew up sort of i don't know why we're just sort of talking back to your your medium and finding it really funny my brothers and i used to always you know, repeat to each other dumb little things and pull them out. I, I think that a lot of people, uh, well, a lot of people, but not most people, like to do that. Some people are, are oblivious to that. And it, it's funny you talk about the talking in the theater and having people tell you to shut up. <laughs> there was actually a concern in the in the room because the room has its own following. And uh, again, and we actually did get a couple people saying like, "I want to see the room." And 
here's these three idiots up on stage <laughs> talking during my beloved room. So, uh, I thought that was very funny. <laughs> do you, um, I mean, when you go to, to see movies now in theaters, do you still do that, or or do you kind of have to resist a little bit? No, I, I don't do it anymore, because it is it is really annoying. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, get, you know, you think about it, like, if you're watching a really bad movie, there's occasionally you'll get into a crowd of people who suddenly the whole crowd is like, yeah, you know what, this is bad, and if somebody's making comments, who cares, and maybe one out of 30 of them are actually funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's not if it's not that, which is, like I say, extremely rare, then they're almost never welcome. I mean, even if they're mildly amusing, it's like, you know, hey, I'm still a little bit into the movie, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's those and the people who have that really, like, over-obnoxious laugh at the dumbest parts of movies. Like, that always annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and off air, I had mentioned uh, your Twitter account, which is at Michael J. Nelson. You seem pretty active on Twitter. How how has that changed things for you as far as, you know, um, being in the entertainment industry before Twitter? How has it been different since it's kind of come about and really exploded? Well, it's interesting. When we started Mystery Science, not long after that, really the, the Internet sort of uh, as a fan sharing thing kind of grew up with us where we had – fairly close contact with fans and kind of knew what they were saying about our show from, excuse me, there's that Nick Nolte disease creeping in. (laughs) Uh, From the the beginning, we kind of had that uh, interaction. So it's not a great deal different, but it is, it's fun to be able to to reach out with your style of humor to groups that, you know, don't, have never heard of Mystery Science, don't know what Rift Tracks is or whatever, but still just have an outlet for getting your humor out there, and, and then interacting with with people who, uh, you know, directly, like one-on-one, where they, they just get back to you and, and interacting with them. I find that a lot of fun, and uh, on, on Facebook and everything as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that it's changed much other than I do enjoy that connection and, and knowing, uh, because our product is so close to the people who buy it, but it, that is, it's, you know, we're not putting it in stores and hoping... Uh, some stranger's going to go up and get it. We're actually making it for the people who are buying it directly, and so to ha- kind of have that connection with them is nice. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you're one of the the f- not few, but one of the good ones to follow, I would say, because you know some some people out there really just kind of retweet um, random things, and you at least put out funny tweets and, and things of that nature. Right, one I can think of off the top of my head was about. Um, how road cyclists think they are versus how they everybody else sees them because <laughs> three even three-year-olds ride bicycles and and me uh where i live there's a like a velodrome which is a big place for road road uh, cyclists i can relate tenfold i mean they just they're way into it um more than they should be <laughs> yeah well i i say that as a I, i've done many many miles as a road cyclist myself but uh I, I just never, and, and that's what, you know, got me close to knowing those guys. Is they really are, like, obnoxious about their, <laughs> about their sport. It's like, calm down. You First of all, you look ridiculous wearing what you're wearing and everything. That is not cool. I mean, and, you know, you're in a suburban neighborhood with this uh, $12,000 bike. Like, you're shaving a quarter second off your time as you go to the grocery store. I mean, it's just <laughs> 
Um, I, I had the chance to – I had a great opportunity to speak – to meet and speak with uh, Joel Hodgson this past May. He came to Wizard World in Philadelphia, here in Philadelphia. Um, and, and one of the things that had come up in our conversation was the possibility of a reboot of Mystery Science Theater. Um, if something like that ever came to – came to fruition is that something that you think you yourself would like to be a part of would you like to ra- just rather stick to riff tracks or would you see if maybe you could juggle both um i, I probably wouldn't just because riff tracks is you know full-time plus and it's just a little bit of a different animal mm-hmm. and and quite frankly there's there's something about um you know the mystery science thing is it's kind of a young man's thing in, in a way like where it's a a puppet-based, uh, uh, you know, and sort of more goofy and colorful in a way. And I look at riff tracks as more of a kind of a voice acting thing and writing thing. I know that maybe maybe I'm overthinking it, but it, it's uh, it, I, I'm not sure it would fit. I'm not sure I could go back in time and, and sort of recapture that. So um, I, I probably wouldn't, but but mostly for time constraints. Yeah, you never know. I would never say never, but. Yeah. Um, I know we're running short on time, but one final question for you, and it's, it's a quick answer. Uh, any chance we're going to see The Room, the Riff Tracks Live of The Room, released on DVD? Uh, you know, I honestly don't know. I think it's doubtful um, because, you know, it's, it's Mr. Wiseau's creation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's out of our hands, and uh, so I, I don't know. It's a big question mark. Well, he was pretty supportive of it too, wasn't he? Tweeting about it when you guys were doing the the live riff. It was, it was, he was very kind about it. It's a uh, I give him a lot of credit because uh, he does not like the product. He made that clear <laughs> in, his, in his interviews, but he, uh, you know, he understood what we were doing. Yeah, and and, uh, and and as he had a stake in it, he was happy to support it. Um, but yeah, not, not a lot of people would would do that. I mean, you know, we're not kind to the man. And, uh, so, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of takes a lot of fortitude to just go. I don't care. I'm just gonna uh, get my product out there and, and uh, makes me a little jingle, and so uh, I'm fine with. Yeah, it. but we'll so see. That's pretty cool. We'll see an MP3 of it at least, though, right? Um. Yes. Okay. All right, good. That'll that'll at least hold me over. I can at least sync it with the movie and and relive that whole night. <laughs> so, um, you have to own the movie on DVD. That's the problem. Very true. Yeah. Uh, what have you have you uh, have you sampled the Blu-ray yet? I have not. I actually I didn't see the room until I saw it uh, until I saw you guys do the live riff. Well, the room oh, was released on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. He he released it on Blu-ray. He, uh, Look at the uh, look at go online and look for image search the room DVD and then image search the room uh, Blu-ray. He made some changes to the artwork of his face and it's it's hilarious <laughs> and bizarre and shocking. But also the Blu-ray has a bunch of extras that are very edifying for you if you have any interest in knowing what went on behind the scenes. So uh, I might have to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we we want to make sure we mention before we let you go. We want to make sure you mention. Uh, obviously, Sharknado Two is coming up. The live show is going to be on July 9th, and the encore is on July sixteenth. Followed by your live riff of Miami Connection on October first with the encore on October sixth, and Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny December third uh, with the encore on December fifteenth. I will be in attendance for 
all of the said riffs as well as any of them in the future that you do. I love coming out to see you guys. It's just, it totally makes my night when I come out. So great to hear. Thank you so much. So, um, I do have one. I have one more question, but I'll ask you one after we end this interview. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, but what we want to send people to check out you on Twitter at Michael J Nelson, as we said, and of course follow Riff Tracks at Riff Tracks uh, Tracks with an X, and check out RiffTracks.com for all the live shows you guys have done, and that's where they can uh, buy tickets to all your live riffs and find out locations around them that are actually going to be showing them in theaters. So, uh, but Mike, thanks again for joining us. This was a lot of fun. My pleasure. It was great talking to you. So, all right, guys. We'll be right back with the showcast after this quick break. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the showcast, and it's time to move on with this week's special guest. So back in season one, we had the opportunity to speak with Kevin Murphy, and last season, season two, we spent some time with Mike Nelson. Uh, well, now we're in our third season, and I'm very excited that we get to round out the Rift Tracks trifecta. Uh, he was a writer on Mystery Science Theater 3000 and even eventually took over as the voice of Crow T. Robot. Now he's one of the three guys that make up the wonderful trio that is Rift tracks please welcome mr bill corbett bill thanks for joining me well thanks glad to be here yeah uh i do have to say before we go into anything else uh i was at uh your riff tracks live time chasers uh, a couple weeks ago and bravo to another wonderful live show oh thank you it was, it was a lot of fun yeah I, it's i love it i've i i will uh, I'll be completely honest with you. I have been to all 19 of your live events, and I will continuously plan. I plan to keep going to all of them. Well, gosh, I like that kind of honesty. Any <laughs> any candor that uh, basically says I'm attending your stuff and enjoying it is is the kind of truth telling I like. <laughs> Uh, it's um, and it, it says a lot this time around too. It's one thing I particularly noticed, especially this time, because uh, you guys actually had some stiff competition that Thursday night. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was for any listeners that don't know. That was the same night as the unofficial opening of more, of Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, so, we um, we didn't know that when we got the date, <laughs> and it it actually did cost us some movie screens because. As unofficial as it is, I mean, there's that slow creep of, uh, you know, of like you can see it first before the other people who are seeing it first now. So some of the, some theaters, at least, I don't know if it was all of them were playing playing it, you know, before midnight. So it actually was playing Thursday night, yeah, not just you know when the when the calendar turned. So those those fans of Cap were, uh, you know. <laughs> were kind of uh, torn, and we and I think we we lost a few of them. We just don't have the cool shields that he does. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I will say I had the opportunity to see Civil War. Or I, I had already seen it by that time. I went to a press screening of it, so I was fully committed to you, you know. Were, the time. Yeah, you're the coolest of the cool kids. Then <laughs> that's what I like to think. Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, it, it says a lot because even though there was a lot of people in the theater that night and a majority of them were there for Civil War, there was still quite a good crowd in the theater for Time Chasers, at least in the theater that I was in. So well, that's good. I mean, I guess the way we we were trying to tell people, you know, like, Civil War is going to be there for a couple of days more at least. So <laughs> yeah. We won't be. So <laughs> get, get, get there Thursday, would you? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, hopefully you guys did well, too, in the replay, because I know you guys do the replays as well. Yeah, we did, and that's, that's, been, uh, that's been a real go-to for us, that when it, uh, when it has its encore, 
uh, people who are at the work or whatever get to see it. And we will at some point, this is one of the shows that we will be able to release as a, uh, as um, you know, digitally on our site too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That's one thing I know anytime they, uh, I have a ton of the, uh, the audio tracks from the website as well as including, uh, I bought the, uh, the DVD of the very first one, which was plan nine from outer space. And, ah, yeah. And, and I even have the shirt, and I still wear it every once in a while, of the, uh, hi, I'm Bob Executive, which way is business? Uh, <laughs> that, became a, that became a surprise favorite line of people. <laughs> we just um, put out on social media, we're going to do a, 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 like a best of Rift Tracks 10-year anniversary reel for our upcoming show. And we were trying to, you know, just kind of get the temperature of people like, what's your favorite lines from 10 years? And Bob Executive kept coming up. Yeah. <laughs> It's still one of my favorites. It was one of those things that the moment I saw that shirt pop up on your site, it's like, yep, that's an Insta buy. <laughs> I, I gotta have that one. Uh, I mean, and it just speaks loads too of a lot. I mean, I, there have been times. I know I mentioned this to Kevin when we spoke to him. There was you guys did the the Rift Tracks live of Night of the Living Dead, and which still to this day is one of my personal favorites out of all the ones that I've seen. And there's so many. I guess hidden lines, uh, I don't want to call them hidden lines, but there's so many treasured lines that they're so under the radar, you don't expect them to be hits, like, as you mentioned, you know, with Bob Executive. And I remember just one particular line, and I can't remember if it was you or if it was Kevin that said it, but there was just, it was a line that floored me easily for a good four minutes that I, I missed you know, the next four minutes of that riff. I had to watch it. And I've watched it a number of times in digitally too. So, what was the line? Um, it was, they had Barbara walking towards the fireplace and it was just somebody going, do 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 bonk and like into the wall. Oh. And, and I don't know why it floored me, but it floored me. I, I, I was, I had tears in my eyes. We wore I, you down, Ben. We just wore you down. You had to have, but I mean, <laughs> it works. Uh, but you know, as I'd mentioned, there's been about like 19 live events so far. You mentioned, you know, 10 years coming up and this MST3K reunion, which I'm really thrilled about, is going to be the 20th live event. Yeah. So. Yeah. We have all kinds of nice round numbers going on here. <laughs> 20th show, 10 year anniversary. Is that kind First of like a reunion? <laughs> I was, was going to say, is that like a little birdemic humor right there? Around <laughs> well, numbers? it is. Like, we, were, <laughs> we were joking about that. I was like, the birdemic guy would love this. Exactly. Like, zeros at the end of everything. All the round numbers. See, that right there <laughs> should tell you I'm a fan that I knew that reference. Yeah, no, it, very, yeah, very well done there. <laughs> um, I know uh, I had the opportunity last summer to. Uh, meet and interview Joel Hodgson, who you know who was one of the creators, and you worked with with Mystery Science Theater. And this was before the announcement of the re of the uh, the reboot of the show was coming mm-hmm. out. So I have to I have to assume that the reboot is a good reason as to part of the reason why this reunion is happening. But how did this this reunion come about? Well, I guess it was because I mean a couple of things happened. First of all, Shout Factory. Uh, which we had a you know a sort of a casual relationship with at least Rift Tracks that is, um, uh, bought the rights to MST3K and kind of changed the whole the whole ownership thing changed and that loosened a lot of things up, um, and you know we start they started offering old old uh, episodes of MST3K the original series. 
for us to sell on Rift Tracks, which was kind of cool for us. And, um, you know, we just started doing a lot of cross-promotion of each other's Kickstarters, basically. Yeah. <laughs> we crowdfunded for each other. And then, you know, I think I think I will take credit for this idea or blame, I guess, if this, if this is a debacle. I just <laughs> had this idea, like, why don't we, you know, celebrate Rift Track's 10-year anniversary by having a an MST3K reunion, since this is kind of an exciting year for that world and uh, um, for, you know, just for fans of the show uh, for all sorts of reasons. And we also have this Rift Track app coming out, and... It's just there's a lot of cool stuff happening on that front. So um, I threw it out there, and you know, to my great delight, my partners said, "Yeah, that's not a bad idea. It just seems kind of possible in a way that it didn't a couple of years ago." So I think I first asked uh, Frank and Trace, and uh, well, Bridget and Mary Jo have been doing some riff tracks for us too. So we asked them, and that you know, we kind of knew they would be on board because we did a we did a sketch fest show for them at San Francisco sketch fest. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And then we threw it out to Joel who was like in the thick of the, the, uh, Kickstarter at the moment. But eventually he said, yeah. And, you know, we asked Jonah to do it, the new host of the new MST3K. Um, he's a great guy and he's on board. Um, so the only person who kind of wasn't into it, he's a friend of mine. So I don't want to cast the aspersions on, he just kind of wasn't up for it. It was, was uh, Josh Weinstein, the original Tom Servo back in the the, the super early days, yeah, um, and Dr. Earhart, uh, and that may you know it makes me a little sad because Josh is incredibly funny, really good on his feet. Anybody who saw Cinematic Titanic knows that he's really sharp up there. He's a really good stand-up comic, uh, as seasoned as any of us, and more so at stand-up comedy than most of us. Um, but outside of that, we have the we have the full the full deck pretty much, and so I'm really thrilled. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as you mentioned, it's it's exciting for for both parties, you know, for both Mystery Science Theater and and Rift Tracks, and you guys are still going strong with Rift Tracks, as you mentioned. Ten years since you've been doing is it ten years for Rift Tracks or ten years for the live events? Ten years for Rift Tracks. Okay. Period. Mike Mike started out kind of doing almost like a pilot version of it in 2006 for a couple of movies, which he did on his own. And I think, you know, as good as a writer and performer as Mike is, was and is, it just felt a little lonely, just because one guy commenting. <laughs> it just kind of needed the interaction. So I was busy working in Hollywood then, but he called Kevin... And Kevin did a couple with him, and then he called me, and then I did a couple with him, and then we just put the band back together. So it was really just a couple of months into Rift Tracks that we became the thing that we are now, and it was in 2006. And uh, since then, it's been kind of full throttle. Yeah. Yeah, and I know I've been... I don't even remember how I discovered that Rift Tracks was a thing, Um I know it was before the live events because I know I had a number of the audio tracks before the live events had started. But I've mm -hmm. been a fan for quite a long time of Rift Tracks. Obviously, I've been a fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000 for the longest time as well. And, okay. I mean, it's been over, what, over 25 years that you guys have been doing this kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there from the get-go. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the first uh, KTMA days were 1988, I want to say. So it's 
really long time ago. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then Comedy Central and then Sci-Fi. So between, yeah, it's, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, fun. my God. <laughs> Did you ever think when you got, when you first joined this group, this is something you'd still be doing now? I don't know. Like, I guess not. I mean, I never really thought that far ahead anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, by the time I got to the show, it was an established thing. You know, I was a, a writer, but it was already, you know, it was already pretty dang popular. So I knew that I was lucky enough to be getting into something really cool and good. Um Unlike the uh, the founding fathers, who were just like, I don't know, you know we, might, we might just be doing this for a couple of people in Minneapolis. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, like once the show was was canceled in 1999, they did run it for a couple of years after that on Sci-Fi Channel. But I thought, well, that's pretty much it. Like, I we tried a couple of Kevin and Mike and I tried a couple of projects, and they had varying degrees of success, but nothing went, you know, huge. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Rift Tracks in 2006 kind of got it going again. It seemed like, uh, you know, a version of Mystery Science Theater without the whole thing. And there's there's parts of it, of the show that I certainly miss. Like I was just talking with uh, an old colleague today, Jeff Stonehouse, who was our director of photography, about uh, how I missed the shoot days because those were the real party when the crew came in and all that. But I do like the the ease and mobility of riff tracks, especially since I started a family after the whole thing. I started I started it with my wife. I should <laughs> just throw it in a test tube. Um, and really, in the, like when my kids were young, it was really kind of a, a handy thing to have without the time commitment of Mystery Science Theater, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I got to be a, a dad at home for big stretches and you know they're growing out of that where they really need that now but uh, it was really great timing and yeah our first live show was actually three years later in 2009 we uh we had jonathan colton was our our guest yeah. musician we don't really do we don't really have like guests so much anymore because nobody seemed to really be there i think the main the main event seemed to be the movie and the movie riffing for better or worse but uh you know yeah, Not I remember. We won't have guests again. But. Yeah, I remember the first one, which was Plan Nine. You guys had a host, which I can't remember her name. Veronica Belmont. That's She's right. Sort of that, a, yeah, a, a tech reporter, um, and was a, a fan of Mystery Science Theater. That was poor Veronica. She's such a, a cool person, but she got thrown at like <laughs> live show hosting was not, you know, beamed out across the movie theaters was. We were all slightly terrified to be doing a live, live feed. And it's weird. Like, now we're really super cash about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. We're and we probably shouldn't be because all kinds of things could go wrong. Although last year, I don't know if you saw the show where we were all sweating to death. That oh, yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, you know, you, you guys are 19 shows in working on the 20th. Did you ever think at the beginning these live performances would become as popular as they are or be going as long as they have? You know what? I, I didn't dare hope, but I'm really glad because they are just so much fun. And even though the first one was scary, I knew it was like, oh, man, this is the thing that was missing here for the last three years was the audience um, or just a little more contact with the people who enjoy our stuff. And 
we had been doing Comic-Con, you know, we would do a couple of panels at Comic-Con, but it wasn't quite the same thing as actually doing an out-and-out show. And luckily we hooked up with the right company to kind of get it across the plate just, uh, you know, digitally and physically into movie theaters. Um, I think when we first were thinking about this and we were talking to Fathom Events, Kevin and I went to see... um, a Fathom Events version of This American Life, the the National Public Radio Show, and uh, we thought we started to think, yeah, I mean, there's some kind of clever ways they're making this work, and we think it, we think we could actually do it. And uh, we talked to Camp Digital, and they were like, oh yeah, here's the solution to this little challenge. I mean, we show the screen mostly, but we show you here and there, and mm-hmm. yeah. So now we have kind of a template, and it's just so much fun, and I'm really really grateful that we keep getting to do this. Yeah, and I'm always excited too. Anytime I see you guys announce another Kickstarter uh, program too, because uh, I'd like to say I'm an investor in Rift Tracks. Oh, thank you, thank <laughs> you, you know, very much. I've given to to both. I believe it's the two Kickstarters that you did, um, or was there one for this Mystery we've Science done, Theater? Now we've done three now. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was two or three. I know I've given to them all, so I can't remember. And I know I gave to the the Mystery Science Theater. 3000 uh reboot one with joel as well so oh that was jagundo yeah that was that was a, a gr- really good turnout that they had before mm-hmm. too um but i mean do you have out of all the i know it's probably it's probably ch- tough it's probably like picking your favorite child but is it there has there been a favorite out of all the live riffs that you guys have done you know i i don't know that there has been um for some reason, I was really fond of, I mean, of, of our earlier ones, of um, of Reefer Madness, of all that. I mean, and I, I think that it might just be because our, our uh, my elderly parents have been going to see them all along. And for some reason, my mom really loved Reefer Madness, <laughs> and it just surprised me and tickled me with all our pot jokes in there. Um no, I don't know if there's one that I really liked. I mean, The Room was a real blast to do because I just can't get enough of that crazy movie. <laughs> I loved Birdemic. Um, yeah, the ones that the ones that were a little bit harder, Godzilla was a little bit harder because it was just so loud and multi-channeled and confuso-vision. Yeah. Um, luckily, we've had nothing that's really... The, I, I can't even remember even... I think it was... I think it was Sharknado 2 where we were sweating to death, but I could be wrong. I think it's you're right. It's all a blur could... now, son. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, whatever that movie was, that was an indelible thing to remember, even though, you know, in the end it was kind of a comedy bit to us, so that was almost worth it that it happened. Yeah. And nobody, you know, passed out and had to be taken out on a stretcher, luckily. Um, and... um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved the ball. <laughs> Well, I have too. So you know, it works out as a fan too. I know, I've I've loved every one of them that I've gone to. Any um, that you haven't done yet that you would like to do? Yeah, I mean, I want to. I would love to do one of the Japanese monster movies if possible. Um, They're they're hard to dislodge from the the people with the rights, you know. Mm -hmm. But I would like to to get a good either Japanese monster movie, you know, um, or something like Prince of Space or, you know, like I just have a special fondness for those. Um, 
Yeah, I'd love to do something big like Twilight, or but I, oh. that could just be a pipe dream. I, I have um, such a, a distaste for Twilight. I've never seen the movie. I refuse to see the movie. But if you guys ever did a riff of it, a live riff of it, uh, I would be there. Okay. Well, <laughs> see, we got to do it for that alone. <laughs> that would be the yeah, only I mean, way I would watch that movie. You know, like they they have very little incentive to to make that work for us. We have discovered that. Um. But yeah, I mean, barring that, then maybe something like we we did uh, the Ben Affleck version of Daredevil at oh sorry my dog is being noisy uh, that's fine at um, San Francisco Sketch Fest a couple of years ago more, more than a couple and that was really fun too so something that's in that sort of mid ranged um, pretty bad movie but big blockbuster would be fun yeah. I, I think I know, you mentioned Twilight. I think I, I think it might have been Kevin that mentioned it. Wasn't Twilight one of the original plans for the first Kickstarter? Yeah, we well we we tried to be honest about it. I don't know if we were just a little too cutesy about it. I I hope not. But our our basic thing was we want to riff Twilight. We're going to try to like back the money truck up to, um, you know to to the studio and say, here, give us Twilight. But barring that, here's some other ones we could do. Um, And ultimately, we couldn't convince them, even with all the cash we had on hand for it. Um, And we offered, you know, if anyone was really super, super felt, you know, that was too much of a bait and switch, we gave them their money back. But we did get Starship Troopers out of it, which was a lot of fun. Which was, was yeah, that that was was fantastic. A tough one to do. Well, you pulled it off well, sir. What's that? I said you pulled it off well. Oh, thanks. But, yeah, I mean, there was a lot, you know, there, we, we, we ran out of bug jokes after a while. I think it's fair. We came close. I was actually on vacation down the shore uh, when that one came around, and my friend and I, who were who was on vacation with me, we actually found a theater about... 35 miles away from where we were staying that had it. Oh, so cool. we made sure we went out and we saw it while we were on vacation, which was cool. Oh, that's very, I appreciate it guys. <laughs> um, before we, I know we're running short on time, but before we let you go, what can we expect from this, uh, this reunion? Is it a film? Is it a bunch of shorts? Yeah, it's a, it is a bunch of shorts and we're, uh, trying to get a good mix and have everybody do what they want. And, um, we're going to, you know, just turn the stage over a couple of times to our former colleagues. So it is going to be a little bit more of a variety show format in a way, although all riffing and Mike and Kevin and I will come out and we'll do one and then we'll, you know, introduce the groups as they come up. And then at the end, we'll put it all together and have one big riff of palooza with everybody. So it'll be glorious chaos. (laughs) Uh, Can we expect any surprises by chance? I don't know. I okay. guess it depends on what you think is a surprise. I, I don't know that there's any more of a surprise than what I just said. <laughs> That's true. A lot of laughs, surprising humor. <laughs> it's. I already know it's enough to get me in theaters, and we're going to encourage <laughs> you know, so many other people to go to theaters as well. And hopefully my other two co-hosts, which I mentioned, who aren't as big of fans as I am, maybe I can finally get them out to a Riff Tracks Live event yeah. as well. So, uh, but I know I last I checked, I think in person seats, I think you guys were sold out or like just a couple. We individual are sold seats. out. Yeah. We, we had one final seat yesterday and that final, 
we kind of made a, a little joke of that on on social media. But yeah, that went too. Yeah. One of these days I'll get down to uh, or get out to where you guys are and see a live show. I'd love to come see you guys live one time. Oh yeah, it's fun. You get you know you, the the danger of being sweated on alone is, <laughs> is worth the thrill. Well, as I mentioned, <laughs> We're like Gallagher, but but grosser. You guys, yeah, it's it's good. The splatter zone in the first couple of rows, <laughs> <laughs> the sweat zone. Um, but as I mentioned, we're definitely going to encourage our listeners to check out, you know, the, the upcoming M- um, MST3K reunion, as well as all future live events and all your audio tracks and your digital shorts and such on uh, rifttracks.com. And for more information on the live events, they can go to rifttracks.com or fathomevents.com. Uh, tickets yeah. are on sale now for the, the Mystery Science Data reunion. I already have mine, so I'm already good to go. Very good. Where are you seeing it? Yeah, I'm. I'm very. I'm. I'm highly anticipating this one because I'm. I'm. Where? Uh, where are you seeing it? Oh, I'm seeing it. It's uh, the Warrington Crossing Theater in Warrington, PA. Very cool. So. Uh, but Bill, thanks so much. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you spending some time with me tonight. Oh, thanks, Ben. It's been real fun. Yeah, I absolutely. Uh, I appreciate your time. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have you on again to talk about some future events as well. Very good. So. All right, guys, stick around. We'll be back with more showcast right after this break.